Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Oster Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest. This dude drove up from South Florida by way of Chicago, Illinois. He is a $100 million plus mortgage loan originator. He is one of the top mortgage coaches in our industry. He is my new friend, Justin Lapatin. Justin, welcome to the Lone Officer Podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Great uh, to be here. Yes, it's exciting. The Justin and Dustin Show. I like it. It's got yeah. a good ring. Yeah, it does. Um, that's something we can do a spinoff, right? Because most of our fans know me as by my initials, D.O. It's like, oh, yeah, it's D.O. from T-Lop. But you and I could do Justin and Dustin. Well, we could do D.O. and J.Lo. Oh, Dio and J-Lo, even better. Um, I'd prefer Ben Affleck's J-Lo. Like, true story, but hey, this would work. You you make a very good 1B. Not bad. If she's the 1A. Nah, man, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time, making the drive. Three hours. Out of curiosity, like, were you jamming the podcast your three hours up? Were you jamming out to GNR? Maybe you had some, like, old school Tupac and Biggie? Like, what did you do with those three hours driving up here today? Yeah, I like that. So I did I did pre-plan my drive. Um, number one, it's nice to be in the car solo for a bit and just have some quiet thoughts to, your, to yourself, right? Like, jokes aside, nice to cruise. I work from home primarily. Uh, so get in the car, cruise for a little bit, have my coffee, a little bit of podcast stuff three or four friend calls that I haven't talked to in a while. Sometimes we forget to call our friends and check in on people we care about. As you mentioned, I'm from Chicago. I moved to Florida two years ago. So caught up with a couple buddies, saw how they were doing. Um, called a couple of my coaching students. Every week or two, I'm checking in on three to five people, just so personal, how are you, what's going on, anything you want to unpack. Uh, talked to one of my team members, gave him some direction for the day. And, uh, and before you knew it, I was here. Love it. So you drove with intentionality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure anything that you do in your life, because you're highly successful, you do with intention. Very cool. Um, wife, kids, what, what what do you do for fun? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, so I'm married. I uh, married my high school sweetheart. Ah, so did May I. May will be my 10-year anniversary, this wow. this upcoming May 11th. Um, got two beautiful kids, boy and a girl, four and seven. And um, what we do for fun, we love to travel. So we go back to Chicago every year. We road trip. I'm going up to Asheville later this month. Stay at the Biltmore? Uh, no, we rented actually like a big mountain house. We're okay. having all of our, uh, it's my mother-in-law's 70th birthday. Oh, super fun. So we're doing a couple road trips, uh, taking my kids to the Bahamas, um, for spring break. We're going to the, to the trendy Bahamar, which is, the Oh, the, I've not the done fancy Bahamar place. yet. Yeah. No, yeah. we did with our kids when they were about your kid's age. Uh, what's the other one over there? Atlantis. Right. right yeah. Right, we did right. Atlantis. They were actually building Bahamar because my kids are literally about 10 years older than yours. Right. Um, very cool. I, but I too married my high school sweetheart. Yeah. I did not know that about you. Yeah. Um, knew the Chicago, knew the wife, knew the two kids, didn't know she was your high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. And you golf for fun? Play a little golf when okay. I can. I enjoy it. Um, I love to exercise, love to be outdoors. Uh, definitely love the Florida outdoor lifestyle. That was one of a big, that was one of several big drivers for us to move down here. I bet. Um, out of curiosity though, you, you cool with July and August in Florida? Uh, technically I'm not cool, yeah. but, but, uh, <laughs> You know, you take the good with the bad. It's better than shoveling snow three months a year, walking outside your car, slipping on ice, dropping your coffee, and being pissed off for the rest of the day. Those are facts. My So my wife's family is all up in Chicago. Like, yeah. literally, like, shout out Jimmy, Aaron, Mikey, like, the whole crew. And that, right. let's say the whole crew, we all vacation together, the cousins only. And we rent a house every two years. And this year, because the twins, who are now 22, we have a rule you have to be 21 or, or, or older, with the twins, we'll have over 27 Chicago wins. Wow. And we pick a new city. Wow. This year is Nashville. Yeah, so shout out to all those people. But as I was going to say, is my father in law duped my mother in law back in like 1981 to like, oh, we're just going to go to Florida, honey, for one year or two right. years. His company is going to transfer him and then he's going to get a big promotion and move what my mother in law still calls home. 40 years later, she calls Chicago home. Yeah. Yeah, 40 years later, they still live in Florida yeah. because my father-in-law was like, I'm never, ever shoveling <laughs> yeah. snow again. I'm absolutely done with it. But, uh, well, we welcome you to the Sunshine State. Absolutely, and, man. And thanks for being here. How did you get into the mortgage industry? Because yeah. nobody goes to school saying, I want to be a mortgage loan originator. Yeah, great question, man. I mean, you know, it's a little bit of a longer answer, but my background is I, uh, when I was young, I watched the movie Wall Street, and I loved it. I still try and do the Wall Street yeah, hairdo, like- you know, until I'm going to use it until I lose it. Yeah. But 
I wanted to be a trader. I was fascinated with finance. I was fascinated with economics. Um, when I say fascinated, that was the only subject that interested me in school. Okay. I was an athlete, played a lot of sports, did enough to, you know, get decent grades. And so when I went to college, I actually wanted to play sports. I walked on a football team, walked on and walked off. I'm a five, eight white guy, in case you can't tell. <laughs> and, um, after about a semester of being there, I just realized like, this is not where I'm going to be. I was, I was working at an early age. My dad was a taxi cab driver, immigrant, didn't make a lot of money, super blue collar. I was frying chicken at 15 and working at golf courses just to help my parents pay bills and have a cell phone and five bucks to get some beer on the weekend, right? So hard work was, was ingrained in me at an early age. And my dad came up actually for the parents weekend and he looked around, I was showing him the frat house. We partied at the football game and and he's like, the next day when, you know, my, my senses kicked in, he's like, what are you doing? You know, like almost in like a challenging way. Like you're a smart kid. Like, do you, do you understand that, you know, it's at the time, this is 0203. Okay. You know, it, it, this is 10 to 12 grand a semester to be at a Big Ten school. You're paying for this. I thought you could be a trader. I thought you could go make money. Like, like what are you doing? You, you're going to do this for four years and basically owe 100 grand and, and be exactly where you are now with less brain cells and in a broken English accent, more or less. And I was like, well, shit, that's a great point. And it was kind of like leaving a party early. Like I gave everyone the Irish goodbye. And I was like, well, hey, I'm out. No way. I'm out. I'm you out. just like mid semester got up and left? Uh, after the first semester. Okay. I finished the end of the semester. Yep. Went home for two weeks, made a few calls, got a paid internship at the Chicago Board of Trade and never went back. Well, that's commodities, right? Board of Exchange is that mostly yeah, commodities? Yeah, futures, options. Future, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so you was, were 18, 19 years old? I was, uh, I, w I had just turned 19. Wow. Yeah. What, what school, by the way? University of Iowa. <coughs> oh, Hawkeye, was, huh? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was, that, that was like the easier school if you couldn't, if, if like you couldn't get into U of I or somewhere, you know. And um, <laughs> I've, I have two cousin-in-laws yeah. uh, who both went to University of Iowa, and I'm pretty sure that for certain students, they offer reciprocity in terms of like in-state tuition. Right. Yeah. Right. So but like for, it, for out of state, it was super expensive. Yeah. Oh, relatively oh, speaking. That, right. Okay. So you were paying out of state tuition. Yeah. 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 No, my one cousin, his father uh, was military. And if your parent was military and you lived in a um, adjoining state, Illinois to Iowa, then they all they honored in-state tuition if your parent was mm, was, um, it, was a veteran of the armed forces. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. So. I, so I did that in 19. I was on the floor. I was learning how to trade. Would wake up at 4.30, take the train downtown. I, I was living in the suburbs of Chicago at the time. And I'd work till 2.33 till the markets closed. And I was a runner. I was a clerk. I was, I was basically like the guys would get a trade card. They'd make a trade on a note card. They'd throw it to me out of the pit. I'd jump and catch it in the air. And then I'd run back to my desk, enter in all this data, update their positions and their spreadsheets, bring them back, run into the pit like a like like a running back. Okay. Get him the document, and I did that all day for like seven hours. So you were like Tim Dwight on the trading floor, basically. By yeah. the way, Tim Dwight's probably one of the greatest <laughs> undersized football players to come out of University of yeah. Iowa, right? Yeah. So my whole thing was how quickly can I get their next move made, and how fast can I make them money? Okay. How fast we're can I go from what someone would do in five minutes to do it in three or in two minutes? Were you commissioned on that? Like, did you get paid on how many trades you helped no, make? Or? No, no, no. I just, I just. Uh, I was on a, uh, I was on like a 48k base salary starting, okay. which at the time was pretty good. Yeah. I was 19, and eventually I worked my way up into the maybe mid 50s, early, you know, or, or mid, mid to high 50s. This was a couple years after 9/11. wasn't a lot of money to be made. The guys that I was working with were great people. A lot of people on there were not good people, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean by that? They were good, good human people that said, "Hey, man, there's a glass ceiling here. In order for you to now go make money and trade on your own, we otherwise would have supported you with 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 our own backing." We're not doing that anymore. So unless you got a quarter million or your, mo your mom or your daddy can write a check, which they obviously couldn't, um, I don't want you to end up like that guy over there 10 years later doing drugs, burnt out, completely lost in life, but not figuring it out until you're in your mid-30s. Wow. And, now, I, and I had no clue. By the way, were you – I'm trying to, like, envision this in my brain here. Were you, like, wearing, one like, the, the, the yes. blue smocks or whatever yeah. you have to wear? Mine, mine was green. It, yeah. I okay. looked like a painter's jacket every day with khakis and, like, new balances on because I was on my feet all day. Yeah. And then do they still do it that way? No, it's it's uh, within the last seven, eight years, it's I would say I'm guessing over 80 percent of traders are completely on screens in an office. I think the the floor outside of commodities and corn and grain and things like that, uh, that's a dying breed. OK, yeah, because yeah, I would think like any more just give someone like you a runner, a tablet. Right. right. And just like right. sit there and it just was, punch it, it was, on the tablet. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, again, this is 2002, 2000. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, right? Yep. No, very cool. So, so, so you had really solid life advice I thrown had to very, you. Yeah. 
I, I got an education from the School of Hard Knocks. Yep. I learned how to be a man. I learned how to think at a high level. I learned how to be around money. You know, they'd give me a couple grand and tell me to go buy lunch and pick something up for myself. You know, they'd give me cash bonuses. I just got exposed to things I was never exposed to as a young kid, especially coming from blue collar, lower middle class, lower middle class taxi driving family. Right. Mm -hmm. So it opened my eyes and made me realize that I will never trade dollars for hour. Never. I will never work a full time job. I will always be 100 percent commission. I will earn what I'm worth. Wow. And that and those are words that I heard in so many words that just stuck with me, right? So these are the traders, the guys that you were hustling for, the yeah. guys that you were trying to take a five minute task and turn it into a three minute task. Right. So you could go help them make the hundreds or hundreds yeah. of thousands or millions of dollars that they were making. Millions. Millions that they were making. Yeah. The traders were making millions. You were making 48 to 52 grand a year, yeah. plus free lunch and some cash bonuses here and there. Right. They saw something in you and said, yes. hey kid, you got drive, you got hustle, you are a smart kid, yes. street smart. Yep. Uh, maybe not book smart, but definitely street smart. You deserve more. You can get more. Correct. But more doesn't mean exchanging your time for this paycheck we're giving you. Correct. So okay. I said, so you're telling me there's no, no growth, no growth. Okay. So I said, I need to figure out my next move. They're like, we don't want you here by the end of this year for your benefit. Yeah. And this was like in the summertime. So I got my personal training license. I opened up a couple T-Mobile kiosks. And I was doing two or three other side jobs total. So I'd leave at two at the Board of Trade, 233. I'd either go personal train or I'd go to uh, a, a T-Mobile store that I, that I was like partners in. And I, I was doing whatever I could to make money. Because at this stage, I had, I'm, I'm now 21, bought a condo, and my parents had gotten divorced. And now my father, who never took care of himself, immigrant, never went to the doctor, had a horrible heart attack, no money saved, no 401k, no nothing, my responsibility. Wow. So at 21, 22, I'm taking care of my dad. My brother and my sister are younger. I have two siblings. They're doing their own thing. My mom was okay. They're doing their own thing. They parted ways, but I was the man of the family. So I said, okay, now what? So fast forward, I meet a buddy at the gym one day. I see him, and it's like a Wednesday night. This is after my second job. It's 9 o'clock. I had just gone to T-Mobile, came back. I'm going to go get a workout, get a sweat, maybe play some hoops. I was a basketball guy. So I see him walk in. It's Wednesday night. He's in a suit. And, I've never, and this guy used to be a personal trainer, by the way. Used to be a personal trainer at Lifetime Fitness. Okay. So now he's in a suit, and like my eyes popped out of my head. I'm like, dude, like, I'm like, who the hell gets married on a Wednesday? Why are you in a suit? <laughs> he just got in the mortgage business. It's 2006. The business is booming, and uh, he's like, dude, I'm making I'm making 20 grand a month. Eyes closed. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. Two days later, I'm interviewing for his boss, and the rest is history. Got into the business. I started on May 28th, Memorial Day, on a Monday. 2006. They wanted to test me. Brand new startup company. They left a big company, and it was all subprime refinances. They said, if this guy comes in, like we're gonna hire him to behind me, you know, behind the scenes without mm -hmm. me knowing. So I came in after being hungover at partying all we all we. I mean, it was, it was Memorial Day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so Monday I come in. I made 150 cold calls with a phone with 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 a with a dial phone with a cord, a pencil, and county records on 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 the long documents, and I did that every single day for pretty much five six years. Wow. Within my first 90 days, I was making 10 grand a month. Good for you. Yep. But that is some crappy sales job. Like I say crappy, yeah. crappy meaning yeah. 150 cold calls. I said, if he can do it and he can do it, I'm yeah. going to do it. Yeah. Because it didn't take rocket science. It took grit. Yes. It took a lot of effort. It took enthusiasm, charisma, understanding how to connect to people, which is a learned skill. But you can't teach people effort. And I was money motivated. I was driven. I was ambitious. I was money motivated. But I also had... My father's bills, medical bills, I had a mortgage. And I was like, how much do I make per deal? And they're like, you know, three grand. I said, cool. So five deals a month, I make 12 to 15 grand minus this, that, and the other. Yeah, cool. How many calls do I need to make? I just reverse engineered the numbers, got better. And this was in the old days where I'd work from nine, you know, really like 8.30 to like six. Then I'd print out my loan apps, drive them out to all my clients' homes in the bad parts of town. Have them sign them. Have them sign them, get an appraisal commitment check for 25 bucks, drive back, get home by 10 o'clock, Maybe go to the gym, wake up, and do it all again. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. And on yeah. Saturdays, when all my buddies were out tailgating, watching college football, doing all that stuff, 9 to 3, I'd go pick up another deal every weekend. If I wanted to go on vacation or I needed to pay a bill or I wanted to get a new car, I'm picking up a deal every Saturday. You know what's crazy? And, I mean, we're on 300-plus episodes of, of this podcast, right? And this podcast is literally to introduce all people to people like you, yeah. right, and, and others. Because you may have made your money in mortgage, but your skill set, applies to just about any industry, whether it's business, entrepreneurship, 
sales, etc. And it is all things that we all have in us. It's just a matter of have you uncovered it or have you found it? It's the drive, it's the motivation, it's the willingness yeah. to sometimes embrace the suck and do something painful. But pain is temporary and pain is easy to get through if you know where your end is. For you, pain for me would have been cold calls. Yeah. Cold calls are painful. But if I know there's an end, meaning after 150, I can stop doing this, then I can withstand pain right. for three hours because I know it's only going to last me three hours. Why three hours? Because I've just reverse engineered how long it would take me to make 150 phone calls, exactly. knowing that not everyone's going to pick up, knowing many people tell me to F off and hang up quickly. So I don't have that many talk to's, right? I maybe right. only have 15 talk to's. Right. And this is, this is pre phone burner, by the way, right? So <laughs> right. This is, this hey, shout like, out phone burner, by the is, way. You know, I had, I had yes. really strong fingertips. Oh yeah. Any carpal tunnel from that? <sighs> no, thank goodness, man. So, so, so you did it for six years. So you went through the, the crash. Like, went, like went you, through the crash, you know, some months I was making 15, 20 grand. Some months I'd make, you know, I, I don't know that I ever went a month without closing a deal. Okay. I would, I would work. And I mean, I was, I was just relentless. And again, I had a big why I had a lot of, I, I had people counting on me. So I didn't have any, I didn't, I didn't have a resort. I didn't have a, a last resort or a backup plan. My ships were burned. I was like, I'm not going back to school. I bought a condo. I'm taking care of my dad. Like yeah. I just had a big, not big, going back to the trading floor. Yeah, no, there, and those there, kiosks no were fun, floor. but eh, yeah, I'm like, know. I'm going to make this work. And I had great people around me, right? You and I were talking about this mm -hmm. one of your podcast episodes. You talked about five things that are important to make the next year, your best year. And one of them is around being around the right type of people. If I was about around a bunch of losers, and I say that not in any particular way, but that we're doing things unethically, that we're taking advantage of people, that we're not like encouraging and empowering me to learn, then I would have been a loser. I would have been a below, I would have been a below average achiever, and I probably would have been washed up out of the business, how a lot of people did, because they were around unethical, bad people. I mean, it is what it is. It was a very shady business. Luckily, I was surrounded, part of its fortune, part of its my own intuition. Mm -hmm with good people and I stuck around the good people. I stayed around the good people and that helped me just weather the storm. So yeah, when there were bad months, like I had saved my money. I was driving a Toyota Camry when I was making 150 grand a year. Like I didn't care. I was saving money. I was investing. I was buying real estate. I didn't know that on my own. I saw other people and I modeled their behavior because I respected them and I, I wanted to aspire to be like them. Right. And so it was just, it was just a crazy journey, but we went from all cold call to lower my bills, lendingtree.com to eventually going from like, you know, a horrible broker model, which was the, you know, which was like the prehistoric way to do loans to then, as you and I were mentioning, like in, in 2012, like pretty much everyone was a correspondent lender or a retail loan officer. So we, I mean, at least in my opinion, the masses were. So we joined a correspondent local lender in Chicago. Was that guaranteed rate? No, no. This was a company. It's no longer around. It was called Pearl Mortgage. Okay. I mean, they were I actually remember a, them. They were I, a national yes, lender. Yes, they were. They were kind of like a $2 billion kind of mm -hmm. sleepy company. Um, and we just came in with like the young blood and charged it up and went super aggressive with just our marketing, our prospecting, our, and that, and that was, that was, that was right around the time where within that 24 month period, my partner and I were like, we need to learn what it takes to get to the next level. I'd never seen a $50 million producer. I never even, I didn't even know what a hundred million dollar, like, I didn't even know someone could do a hundred million dollars. I just knew closing five deals a month. I didn't even track my volume back in the day. Like I, I it was yeah, just, you were thinking my average commission is X. So if I just do calls this many and units, deals, calls yep. and deals, that's it. Makes sense. All I knew were calls and deals. Right. And so then I started understanding like the next level because I was introduced and exposed to the next level to sophisticated, organized, professional lenders that got referrals. In Illinois, it's an attorney state. I used to laugh. I'm like, why would I want to deal with an attorney and a realtor and people telling me what to do? I'm like, this is crazy. I'm just going to do refis. But boy, was I confused, right? So we started investing and learning from people and getting mentorship and essentially, you know, going out to those mastermind conferences in Vegas and figuring out where are the best people, what are they doing, who are they learning from? And it's time for us to learn faster. The only hack in business that I've ever known to be true is learn from people who are already ahead of where you are and where you want to go. So fast forward, as, as, as we discussed prior, I joined a couple different coaching companies. Some were like, hey, you know, I'm driving to work every day. Listen to the CD in your car. And it's like, <laughs> you know, th those were freaking phony, right? I'm not going to even call out those people's names. And then there were some really good people that had some great coaching systems and some great sales systems. And one thing I learned that is if you're driven and you're ambitious, you just need the right plan. You need the right system. You need the, you need the right direction. And you need absolutely, without question, accountability. And so at that stage, I was doing 20 to 30 million. I got into coaching. Within 24 months, I went to 60, then 80, then 100, then 120, then 170. 
And, you know, I mean, it's been an unbelievable journey. But again, it's been a 15, 16 year journey in the making. Well, here's things that it's funny. I can pick up on it. A, getting to know you over the past month. Also, myself having a, a journey where it started 18 years ago. So it's like anything. I was listening to, um, I think it was like one of the radio, um, nationally syndicated sports talk radio. And I can't remember who the host was, but it probably was Colin Cowherd, more than likely. Yeah. And Colin was like, you know, sometimes for me, I can just see, see around the corner when you can't. Why? He's like, because I've been in broadcast for 30 years. Right? So, so much of like what you're explaining to me, what I'm going to share with the audience, it's because I can see around the corner because I'm going into my almost second, third decade, finishing off my second decade, going into mm -hmm. my third decade here next year. So when Justin was speaking, which by the way, he's financed, funded over a billion in his career, a billion, it's a big number. That's right. like three commas. So a billion dollars in fundings. Um, but you said things, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's an episode in itself. You had to pivot from subprime to prime. Right. Because for those who haven't studied our industry, subprime went away in 2009. Like officially, so you got started, your first three years were nothing but subprime. Your product was just stripped from you. You know, you don't have like, who moved my cheese? There's some cheese movement. Then you're like, we pivoted to just buying leads on bankrate.com uh, or lendingtree.com. Lending my bills. Yep. Yeah, but you're still doing refis. And you're still very much a call center type atmosphere. High commodity, high call center. Exactly. Yep, did that for another three plus years. And I guess what I was hearing is it's never too late to pivot. And when you're forced to pivot, it's okay. It's natural. Right. And even the most and the highly successful have done this before because then you had to pivot away from buying leads to generating your own leads. You had to pivot away from refis, which is a freaking roller coaster, right. to I'm going to self-generate purchase leads from long-term referral sources like realtors, builders, CPAs, and financial advisors, which offers all of us the consistency and the control that we crave. Right. You've done all that. You glossed over it. I'm like, oh my God, we should have Justin back just to talk about deep dives into, talk about your pivot with subprime. Talk about your pivot from, from refi to purchase. We don't have time for that because I do want to get into what you just hit on. Coaching. Yeah. You went from, if I remember, 20 to 30, 30 to 60, 60 to 80, 80 to over 100. Yep. You attribute it to coaching. Hands down. And you're willing to go pay someone for their time and expertise. Because you could try to figure it out on your own, at which point it may take you seven years. It may take you never because you right. never achieve it. And sometimes we never achieve it because honestly, people from my experiences, I wasn't in the room where it happened. I wasn't around others that were already doing it. So I didn't think it to be possible. Coaching allows you to be introduced to people who are doing it above and beyond what you do. You see what's possible. Then you figure out, wait a minute, they're not different than me. What are they doing? And then how do I do that? And that's where you hire a coach to say, I'll pay you so you will tell me and show me and hold me accountable because I want to be just like him or her, right? So you did all that. You own a coaching company. Yep. This is what I want to get into. Yep. All right. I want some freebies for the audience, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some things that you're doing right now to add value to your coaching students? What are you telling them? What are you teaching them without giving away, you know, too much for free? Mm -hmm. What can you share with us today that the audience who is tuned in, who is primarily, you have real estate agents who tune in, mortgage loan originators, you have sales professionals and entrepreneurs. That's the bulk of our audience is that, and then sprinkling a bunch of college students. All right. Okay, a bunch of basically future of our industries also tune in. What is some information you can share with them that they can write down today and be like, man, I'm glad Justin shared that because I'm gonna implement it, it'll make me a better person or a better professional. Yep, absolutely. So let's let's park there for a second. Okay. I, I wanna take a step back to why coaching, why and how coaching helped me so much, and then I'll get into some tactics. I didn't, I didn't know what play to run. I love sports analogies, because yes. I'm a sports guy. I had, I had the drive, I had the work ethic, I had, I had the, the right intentions. I just needed the direction. I didn't understand what sales activity that I should be doing and measuring and how much of it, you know, would equate to the number of leads I needed to get and then how many leads I need to get to close the amount of, I didn't know any of that. I didn't understand the nuances of the business because I never learned it. No one taught it to me, right? Mm -hmm. So once I understood that, you know, it was, it was, you know, my sales activity drove my leads and my leads, you know, if I got a certain number of leads, I can increase the quality of my sales skills, what I say to a new client, or I could get better leads if, if, if the quality was coming in low, so I, so I had to go prospect. So basically, 
I learned how to track my business. I learned how to quantify what I did every day. I learned what offense and defense was. I used to then think, you know, it's all about sales. It's all about sales. Well, what happens when you get so much business that you don't have time to work on it? You got to go work on your business and then you don't have time to prospect. So then I learned that the first skill you need is leverage. Whoever can generate the most leads per hour, per day, per month wins. Correct. And then you need to learn how to hire, build, lead a team so that they can do the loans and I can go get the loans. My highest skill set is getting loans, leading, managing, and now creating content. That's the leverage, right? I that's where you are right now in your career. That's where I am right now, yep. right? But to get there, you have to realize that you need to master your sales skills. And by master them, you need to learn how to sell, who to meet, what to say, what to do, where to go, what the conversations look like. And from there, you need to learn how to then leverage your time by having someone else. Like It's like a food truck analogy. A food truck can only serve so many people. When you're you know, cooking, chopping, dicing, sweeping, cleaning, serving, like you're a food truck. Most loan officers are a food truck, right? Facts. Then you can get to a little bit of a diner. You got a waiter and a hostess. I'm like a five-star steakhouse. And I say that not to brag, but I've learned that there's a next level and a next level. And a, Yeah, you started as a food truck. I started as a bad food truck. And then I learned how to be a decent food truck. And then I learned how to open a diner, i.e. what my LOA does, what my processors do, right? Then I learned how to have another loan officer. Now I have business development with me. Now I can walk around and greet all the customers sitting down eating to make sure they're enjoying their meal and that they feel connected to me. But I don't need to cook, serve, and clean their food anymore. I can just catch the fish and own the boat and someone else can you know, skin it, debone it, cook it, and serve it. Facts, yes. And I, and, and I don't say that in a disrespectful or, or to derogate anybody, but I didn't know that until someone opened my eyes and said, dude, there's no way you can do 30 loans a month if you're looking at tax returns. There's no way. Yeah. You know? And in one of my best years, I did 400 units. That's crazy. And, and, and I worked, I mean, a pretty, you know, I have two kids. Like, I wasn't a zombie in my basement. Like, I have a life. Like, Yeah, your wife saw you, your kids saw you, your family yeah, and friends still yeah. saw you. The yes. trick, the, I'm telling you, this is a great, beautiful business. The trick to this business is how do you keep your income going up without having your hours continue to follow? Yeah, here's um, something interesting that you just said, or at least the way that I heard it, that I want the audience to take from this. Justin started as a bad food truck owner operator. A bad salesperson. Okay, because so many times LOs would be like, well, of course he closed 400 units, or of course he did 90 million last year and 170 million two years ago because he has a team. And I'm like, but God, dog it, you know what? He didn't wake up with a team. Right. He built to that. Right, he built. He first had to figure out how to do 24 million by himself. Right. And before 24 million, he did 12. Right. Right. And then 24 led to 30. And then when he did 30, he's like, I'm gonna hire an assistant. And I'm sure, he, I'm guessing, you were you weren't the best leader, the first person Terrible. that th that you hired, but you hired them, and then you grew, and then you're like, let's leverage, let's scale up. Um, you learn from where you went. What you what you stopped doing, what well, is what well, what you never did. You you never stopped moving forward. Right. You always move forward. You always wanted more. Um, and I think that's what so many people fail to recognize. And they just want to make an excuse. Well, of course he does this because look at his team. Right. And I don't buy that. I don't yeah, agree with people, that. I've, I, I heard this saying a long time ago. People love to focus on the fruit, but they don't see the root. Right. No one gets to where they're at in this business without a lot of hard work, a lot of trial and tribulation and a lot of mistakes. Right. You hire bad people. You're a bad leader, a bad listener, a bad salesperson. And then you go. Then you learn how to hire people that are quality and you learn how to become a better leader and have empathy and ask questions and not think you know it all and drop your ego a little bit. Right. So. So fast forward, you know, business was amazing from Chicago. All of a sudden, everything shuts down. Covid. I had been coached. I loved being a part of networking groups, a part of masterminds. I invest every year in my own personal development. I never think I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I'm usually not, right? So I'm always open. My brain is like an antenna. I want frequency from high caliber, smart individuals because that's how we learn, right? I don't, I don't need to go figure it out and take a machete and carve a path into the forest when this guy already has the, the shortcut. I'm just going to follow this guy who's ahead of me. Yes. And that's how I always think. And, and, and so that being said, 2020 kicks in. We're banging out units. It's crazy. I'm working from home. I'm like, this is amazing. This is, you know, I'm literally making a million dollars in my flip flops and my shorts, you know, having lunch with my kids, like taking my dog out. And then I'm like, I'm kind of lonely. I'm kind of missing something. And this was me processing my thoughts over time. I'm like, if I feel this way, 
I know that other people feel this way. And for the record, or not for the record, but by the way, my partner and I now oversee three branches with, with uh, you know, anywhere from $700 million to a billion dollars in production in, in two states, Chicago and Florida. That's awesome. So we have staff, we have other loan officers that do 20 to 90 million a year, mm-hmm. right? About 12 to 15 guys and gals. So we were, you know, taking, taking kind of inventory and getting a tune with everyone. That was how everyone was feeling. The chit chat at the water cooler, the camaraderie, the synergy, the office element was completely gone in most states around the country, right? So I said, there is a void right now. And this is a great opportunity after 10 years, seven to 10 years, seven paying, 10 being mentored of learning and investing in my skills and learning and investing in my craft. I'm qualified to help. And I actually want to help now other people. And I say want to because there was a time in my career where I was like, I'm not showing, you know, like yeah. I'm not showing you the goods, man. Like, right. Like now I will gladly share that information because part of it was, was, was working from home and getting, getting, you know, uh, this perspective. Part of it, I think is just maturity. Part of it is knowing that, you know, the law of attraction, like karma, like, like just having some abundance. And, and, and again, I think, I think a lot of it's maturity and moving down to Florida. I'm like, dude, there are bazillions of people housing's ubiquitous, right? Like, like there is so much, like, I don't need to be like selfish or greedy. Right. And, and my life got changed, man. I mean, when I tell you my life was changed, I became more organized. Everything, how you do the little things is how you do everything. Right. And I believe that the more organized I got professionally, the more organized I got personally. If you can't manage your database and track your leads, you can't manage your money. If you can't cultivate great relationships and lead people and be a great business person, you probably don't have great personal relationships and friendships and people might not be able to count on you. And I hate to say that, but it's true. It's true. I would not disagree with you. And as I, as I became more professional and more organized in my business, I became more professional in my personal life. I managed my money better. I took care of my investments better. I took care of my health better. I started to understand what was important and I started to attract better people in my life. And that's the beauty of, of, of business is you can control the direction you go based on your inputs and your outputs. So I started to put good information, surround myself with good people. And I said, man, I was able to retire my wife. My wife went to school, got her master's as a teacher. And after we had our first kid, she had a little bit of postpartum, wasn't feeling great. I said, that's it. We're done. You're done. No more. Like, if you want to stay home with our kids, you're staying home with our kids. I'll pay for your college since I didn't go to college. Give me the bill, right? Like, and, and like, I mean, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps telling you that, but like, dude, my dad drove a taxi. Yeah. I couldn't afford lunch as a kid. Like that's real, right? Fast forward. My wife doesn't work. I bought a new house. Coaching changed my life. It empowered me to earn. And now I can impact people, yeah. teach them what I've learned from other people and just hand it down the road. man. Yeah. It's, it's your turn to pay it back. hundred percent. And it's so cool how life works because there's a, a certain aspect of maturity that I too, very similar path, right? Like um of needing to mature i mean you know still make a mistake as a leader i made a huge mistake yesterday as a leader that i'll have to learn from that you know the good thing about me is it'll stick with me for decades and because of reach you know meeting people like you or having the podcast audience i'm going to tell that story so hopefully someone else can learn from my mistake yeah uh but you reach a point in your career in your life where you're financially for the most part stable Right. You have a lot of money saved. You're pretty confident in your ability to earn going forward, regardless of industry, probably at this point for guys like you and I, because you figure once you master one industry, it then becomes sales, marketing and development. Right. And you can sell a market and develop in multiple industries. But then it's like, but I'm not fulfilled. And you realize that it's not about the money. Right. And by the way, it is about the money until you have it. Right. And then once you have it, it makes it very easy to. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not about the money. Well, yeah, you say that because you have money. Right. So what I've learned is it's not, it, it is about the money until you get it. And then once you get it, you realize it's not about the money. It's about others. It's about what you do with that money or what you do with those experiences. And because you have money, you're now more willing to be less selfish right. with those ideas, which by the way, the ideas are not new. They're not new. They're not new. Right. So why not share them? Yeah. Who am I to hoard? Yes. <laughs> Especially when we, when we kicked off this episode, we, we stated it's the drive, right. the passion, the desire. That's what makes someone successful. It's not typically the idea. No. Now, if you're Bill Gates, it was maybe the idea. If you're Jeff Bezos, the idea. Right. Right. Richard Branson, the idea. But for most of us, like those are outliers. That's why we talk about yeah, them. Yeah. For most of us, it was the drive, the passion, 
and the ambition. So the idea is let's share them. Absolutely. And now you're finding that you're becoming a better professional the more you share. 100%. You're becoming a more confident, more calm professional the more you share. And because COVID took your community away, you found your community. And I'm finding fulfillment, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I learned that, that you know my joy in life is not tied to my income as a loan officer anymore. It was for a long time. Yes. I'm not going to lie. But at some point, once you've earned and, 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 you know, I've been fortunate enough to buy the things that I want in life. Now, like, I'm like, I, I, I want to help the guy or the gal that I used to be mm -hmm. because this is a beautiful business where you can literally make six figures a month. Now, that comes with the cons of the business where you can make no money three months in a row, right? So that being said, it's like, how can I share and help more people have a great life, take care of their families, because so so many people help me do the same thing. So so let's talk about some tactics, right? Yeah. So yeah, because your your coaching company started as a Facebook group, which I think is cool as shit, by the yeah, way. Yeah. We started as as kind of an online loan officer community, and started. What, what was it called? Is it still around the Facebook yeah, group? Yeah. Yeah. It's called um, um, L O T P E Loan Officer Top Producer Exchange. Okay. Loan and that officer, was just a Facebook exchange. group that you and your partner started. Right. Where you basically made yourself available. We started sharing. Questions. Yeah, we started. Okay. We created our own forum to share best practice and to really beta test would this type of coaching style be 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 well, well received. Okay. Right. There's a there's a handful of well known coaching companies out there. They all do something really well. What we realized was no one was talking to the modern loan officer, not the young loan officer, the modern loan officer. Everyone knows the sales systems, how many calls you should be making, status updates, database, so on and so forth. Those are traditional. The modern loan officer needs to be more visible. They need to know how to create content. They need to know how to go direct to consumer. They need to know how to market, advertise, how to get their product, which is them, on more shelves, which is in front of where the consumer is, which is on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, so on and so forth. When you marry the traditional sales systems, calls, meetings, events, networking, chambers, etc., and you marry that with content, videos, reels, you know, the right type of emails, direct to consumer, long form, short form, et cetera, magic happens, magic happens. So now it's like, it's not one thing that works. It's a consistent combination of all the right things over time. So it's more quantity, more quality, more quantity, more quality. So we teach people the same systems and sales processes that people have been learning for two decades with a modern twist. But we also show and help and educate people how to create the right content, what the framework is, how to do a good hook, how to tell the story, how to put a call to action in, right? How to shoot a reel, what type of information you need and, and, and give them a progression to where it's like done for you. Now it's kind of, we're helping you and now you're doing it on your own with your twist and your flavor. Because at the end of the day, you know this, people buy us, Yes, they do. right? So you also have to remember, you have to be authentic. I can't be Dustin and Dustin can't be Justin, mm -hmm. right? Because it's phony. And the irony is that people make content for the people they think that, that are going to judge them or I'm sorry, they're scared to make content because they think the people that, that they know are going to judge them, those people are never going to work with you anyway. So make content for the person that you want to attract. Teach the client you want to help, right? Speak and, 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 and breathe into that information to create a community of people, and that's what people miss out on. They think that they got to make just sold, just close so their peers like their posts. No, you need to speak and educate the person that you want to attract. If you do VA loans, Talk to the veteran who doesn't know where to start. If you're a master with FHA and down payment, go into that market and speak to the people that are looking for that information. They will find you and be you, right? It can't be all business, all like lame, like company stock posts. You have to share with people what you're passionate about, what your hobbies are, what your family's like, where you effed up, right? What you do on the weekends, because the people that identify with golf, cigars, and scotch, they're going to do loans with you when you, when you when you talk about the type of loan that they need. Right. Oh, I love it. I love what you just said too. Um, uh, our audience, our audience is probably tired of me saying this, but my son turns 18 this, this weekend. Uh, so I have been saying, well, my 17 year old son, now it's my going to be 18 year old son, high school senior. But so much of the past two years, as I've watched him develop into this awesome young man that he's becoming yeah. anymore, my parental advice has been, do you homie? Like literally do you homie? I've, I've called him big homie his whole life. Like, and that's just, that's just how, how I talk. It's how, how he responds. Right. But when I talk to sales professionals, you said, you know, Justin can't be Dustin and Dustin can't be Justin. And I'm thinking, yeah, do you homie? 
And that's why I tell LOs and realtors and financial advisors, like, yes, you need to follow what Justin teaches, right? You need to listen to what these coaching programs are, are putting out there because they have the patterns figured out and in business follow patterns. You talked about following the bushwhacker. Like why be the bushwhacker when you can walk behind the bushwhacker who's already paid in the, the, the trail right. and you can follow in their footsteps. I'm a huge fan of saying follow the patterns, but at the same time, you got to be authentic because if you're not, that comes across, then you can't attract anybody. And then you can't do it consistently because it's not real. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so something I learned. Here's a tactic I want to give everybody today that you can implement today. Consumers and realtors do not know how to understand the housing economics. There is too much emotion, too many. Now, don't get me wrong. 7% is alarming, right? But at the end of the day, understanding and, and, and educating people, for example, on the opportunities in a 7% market is powerful. What type of opportunities are there? Well, you can negotiate the price. There's more inventory. You can get a seller credit. They can cover your closing costs. You can do a rate buy down. What type of opportunities are in a 3% market? Very little. None. Cheap you, interest you, rates are you opportunity. You, you don't get the house you want. Yeah. You make 25 offers and get discouraged. There's a line around the block. And if you get the home you want, it's number 17 on the list and you pay 50 grand over. Those are facts. Right? So yes. that all being said, everything, one of the best sales systems for social selling, right? Because social media, modernized, being, having content. Every day I wake up and I read 30 to 45 minutes. I read National Association of Realtors, I read Inman News, I read Housing Wire, I read the Wall Street Journal. I spend 30 to 45 minutes, I read three to five articles, I educate myself exactly what's going on, what the trends are, what I need to know. I take the headlines, I take the information, I, I strip it down into what it means to you and, and, and how it can impact you. So in other words, you know, for example, Florida, home prices plummet 20%. Well, yeah, they went from plus 30 to plus 10. <laughs> Right. So as a home buyer, I'm thinking the housing market's going to crash. So I take the headline, I unpackage it, I explain it to you so that you can understand it. And then I say, here's what this means for you. If you buy a $500,000 home, it's likely to be worth five fifty in the next 12 to 24 months. And you might not have to overpay for it. Right. So every single day I consume, I create and I conversate. That's a three C method that I don't think I've monikered, but that I teach. I consume, I create and I conversate. I take, download, read information, consume. I take the headlines, the snippets, the articles, the charts. I package it up into content, into short form videos and reels, and into weekly emails that I send my realtors. So I give my realtors great emails every Monday with a market update, two to three data points that they can then communicate effectively to their audience. By the way, if you're driving in your car because you're listening on Spotify or Apple and you're not watching us on YouTube, this is the point that you click pause, you pull over, you either get out your phone, you go to your notes section, you rewind us and listen to that all over again and take notes. 100%. That was money right there. That's a freebie. That's a freebie. That's a freebie. That's phenomenal. Like that right there is phenomenal. I love it. You mentioned housing wire. You may have an article coming out. I that, heard. Uh, Big yeah, DO. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been writing for them. It's been so much fun. It's my creative outlet. Uh, and uh, the next article that I think they're going to publish, they told me they're going to publish it, is truly me almost yelling at the mortgage loan originators out there saying quit speaking mortgage because to what you just said you have to be able to consume digest and and then disseminate right but in words that your audience understands because yeah. your audience doesn't speak ltv dti 2-1 buy down 30 bips versus 55 bips no right. Speak that in Good. a language the last, understand. The last two weeks, I've been laughing at all the loan officers talking about the FHA upfront MIP. Oh, Jesus. I'm like, dude, yeah. like kudos to you for at least putting the camera up in front of your face and talking. But th that that goes in one ear and out the other. How about this? And I'm not I love these people, so I don't want to talk ill about no, no, them. But, but hang on. I okay. want to help them. I oh, want to help them. OK, okay? help them. So another I'll, freebie, I, another freebie. Ding, ding, ding. All freebie right? alert. Freebie alert. This OK, is, this is the formula hook story offer. So instead of saying, hey, everyone, FHA, upfront MIP, monthly PMI, like I don't even know what the hell you're saying, right? Here's how you can lower your mortgage payment by $100 a month. Hook. Story. Last week, the government made a very beneficial change to help homeowners reduce their mortgage payments. We helped three people lock in last week with $150 less per month monthly payment. If you're in the market now and you want to learn more, message me here. There's your reel. Hook, story, offer. Not don't don't time. introduce yourself. Don't yeah. tell me 17 acronyms I don't understand. Take the information, 
like mama bird, chew it up, spit it into the baby bird's mouth so that a seven-year-old can understand it and give someone a reason to call you. Love it. That is literally my article. You just stole my thunder, Justin. Stole it. Thank God that JC is working so far ahead that this episode doesn't drop for like 10 days. Normally, we record on Monday, drop on Tuesday, record on Thursday, drop on Friday. Two episodes a week, every week for the past three years. Three years. I was trying to do 52 times three, which is 156, 156 weeks. Yeah. Um, but so normally it goes that quick, but I get to go to Costa Rica. I come back for a day. Then I get to go to New York City. Then I come back after like four days. So we've had to work ahead. So hopefully my article beats you. If not, then you just stole my thunder. That's okay. Um, let's do this. I know we're getting long on time. Yep. Um, and you have some things that you're going to show me once we get off yes. camera that I really want to see. Yes. So selfishly, I need to wrap this, this episode up. Plus, our audience tends to want to keep everything around 35 to 45 minutes. Perfect. Um, you're speaking to a mortgage loan originator right now. Yes. And I'm pretty sure I know your answers because you may have already shared them. But summarize three must-dos if they want to have a successful career. Three things that regardless of where you are in your career, these are three things you must do to be successful. So number one would be you need to invest in your skills. If you want to make a million dollars a year and you make 250 right now, that difference are the skills you don't have. You follow me? Yep. That's the theory of constraints, right? So you need to learn from someone that's doing what you want to do. Number two is you need to have very clear sales metrics you need to track your activity and understand that our business tells us a story so learn from a mentor have sales metrics and number three is you need to build your personal brand you need people to find you we need to make it easier for people to find us we need to put our product on more shelves and that doesn't mean you need to dance on TikTok. that means you need to get your product your commercial for free on different different social media platforms so you can grow your market share because if not guys like me and you are going to take the market share not on purpose, but because our voice is louder and we're going to reach more people faster. Yep. It's edutainment. You are educating me while also entertaining me. You yep. are building your personal brand. What is one thing that you wished was taught to you at a younger age that just wasn't? Because maybe they didn't teach it in school, right? Or maybe you're know, growing up in a lower middle class family. It just wasn't taught to you because your parents wasn't taught to them. Yeah. That now that you're a father... And you think about your children, you know, aging into their teenage years or high school years. What's one thing you're going to make sure that they understand that possibly wasn't taught to you? That um, I think in general, you can't learn for the most part what you need to be successful in life in school. Love it. You need to learn outside of the box from people that are doing what you want to do once you know what you want to do. And then... What is the name of your coaching company? You so, have been so coy about yes, this. Yes, yes, yes. So, so the coaching company is called Growth Only Coaching. And how do I find it? GrowthOnlyCoaching.com. GrowthOnlyCoaching.com. Growth only yep, because it's nothing but growth. You come okay. with us, you're going to grow. It's a, it's a six-month program. It's bi-weekly, small groups, high accountability, high caliber calls, high sales activity with an e-learning element. So everything we do is recorded. We have modules. We have playbooks. We have point-of-sales systems and scripts. We teach you traditional sales. We teach you modern sales, how to build your brand, create content, grow your audience, become a multi-market loan officer. The old days of doing business in one city and state are done. This industry is going to bounce back. I think we both know that. Of course. Housing is the golden goose. 50 to 70 businesses are tied into the housing, in, in, into housing. Despite the government feeling like, it's like, like they're drunk in a closet right now, I don't think they want what happened in 2008 to happen again. Right? So we're in the storm, but it's going to get better. But people need to double down on their skills because there are too many LOs fighting over too few deals right now. So the people at the highest level of skill that can put out content, take care of their database, and focus on their activity are going to win. It's very difficult to do that on your own. Winners want to be around winners, and there's synergy and camaraderie and groups. And it's not just mine. There are great coaching companies out there. And before I forget, we're having an amazing event. Oh, yes. On April 21st in Chicago, GrowthCon 2023. GrowthCon. Right, like Growth like Conference. conference. Yep. yep. GrowthCon 2023. It's our second event. Oh, you've already done one. Yes, we did, a, we did a small one in Miami last November. Okay. We had to downsize it because of the hurricane and everything going on. So we just kind of like minimized it. So we pushed the keynote speakers up to April. So we have Ryan Serhant, one of the top realtors in the country, Glenda Baker, one of the most viewed realtors on TikTok and social media. She makes about 250 plus every like two months from just social media. Wow. We have um, uh, Barry Habib, number one housing economist out there, right? Yep. We have uh, um, 
two or three other amazing guest speakers. I'm not going to give away them all, but think learning your brand, building sales systems, understanding content. We have one of the top content creators coming out there that does content video scripting for folks that like are world renowned in, in, in our industry. And it's open to realtors and loan officers. Our sales skills are very parallel. We have to generate leads, deliver a great experience, close a deal, follow up and market, right? Realtors and lenders. So we're expecting four to 500 realtors and loan officers, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of synergy, a lot of networking. Friday, April 21st in Chicago, growthcon2023.com. And I will leave you, I'll, I'll, I'll get you a code. Okay. Any of your listeners will get a 10% discount on their tickets. Ooh, that discount you can only find by going to tloponline.com or theloanofficerpodcast.com. I like that plug. That's pretty awesome. And I'm going to leave everyone with this story that you just made me think about when you talked about the market we're in in the storm and needing somebody by your side. One of my favorite movies, it's a classic, Forrest Gump. Mm. And the Bubba Gump Shrimp uh, Company became what it became because Bubba had a boat called the Jenny. That would be your company. That would be the people within your organization. And he had a captain, Lieutenant Dan. Right. Right. Why did Bubba Gump end up becoming one of the most successful shrimp fishing uh, fleets in the entire country? Because they outlasted. They outlasted. It was one guy at the helm. It was one guy navigating. And it was a really good boat that was able to withstand the storm. Absolutely. That's what I'm going to ask you all right now who tuned in and made it this far. Is your boat the Jenny? Are you Captain Forrest with Lieutenant Dan navigating? And if you're not, go find you a Jenny, go find you a little Lieutenant Dan, and hunker down because there is a boatload of shrimp to catch. Oh, yeah. Just on the other side of this storm if you're able to persevere and power through. Absolutely. I love that. It's, uh, it's the law of attrition right now. We're, we're in the middle of a marathon. We're at mile marker 10, and it's going to be who can last the longest, who can, who can increase their skills, who can trim down their budget, who can weather the storm. But on the other side of the storm, it's going to be beautiful. Can we call it a half marathon? Because mile sure. 10 means I only have 3.1 miles to go. You get the point. Yeah. <laughs> mile marker 10, whatever. Half marathon. Fair enough. There we go. We're going to call it a half marathon because I'm the eternal optimist. But he's Justin. I'm Dustin. He's with Guaranteed Rate. I'm with the Loan Officer Podcast. His coaching company is? Growth Only Coaching. And your event is? April 21st in Chicago. That is all the time we have for you today. Thank you for tuning in. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Boom.